Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, we actually do live in a country that believes in consequences. I'm a morning show anchor. And I'm coming back in my next life as one of Reese Witherspoon's wigs. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. she over there hello Hi. um i was like side-eyeing my computer throughout that intro because you were facetiming me while we were on a facetime call so it was all very complex <laughs> it was very meta <laughs> yeah the internet yeah. sometimes it works you know technology is crazy these are crazy Super. times how are you how are you doing um i'm i'm good I'm rolling with it. I don't know anymore. How are we doing? I feel like, you know, we're two months in. I think we're two months into when we started working from home. Mm-hmm. You guys have been in Buffalo for two months, you know? Have we really? Um, it's getting there. I'm trying to think about when you guys went up. Probably like second week of March. Yeah. Yeah, so we're about a month and a half in. <sighs> <laughs> I can't even do math anymore. Like, what day is it? Yeah. Um, but I'm good. I, like, took a day off. It was my husband's birthday, so we, like, made cocktails. We were ordered delivery. <laughs> it was good. That's so nice. Um, yeah, it was nice. I feel like you know all, all the birthday celebrations that are popping up on Instagram stories are so sweet of people kind of doing their thing in quarantine. Yeah, I have one of those coming up. Yeah, you do. I know. Do you have any big plans? Um, no. It's weird because my birthday and Mother's Day are on, like, the same day. So it's going to mm-hmm. be kind of a action-packed weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'll probably just try to get as much editing done as possible, really. Oh, wow. Good. I love that. You know, anytime um, I can get space to, or time to myself, it's always appreciated. How are you doing with the space time to yourself situation? Are you like, I know you're editing a movie, you're doing a bunch of stuff. Like, how's that going? I mean, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I like melted down today. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm oscillating between like total higher self acceptance and calm. And then I'll crash and then I'll be like frantic and full of fear and be like, we need to be doing this or this or this and just spiral. And I'm having a really hard time locking into one of those modes. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I just kind of float back and forth. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, we're in a very floaty liminal space right now. It's hard to lock into anything right now. Yeah, and I think I'm starting to also feel a little crazy because I'm starting to hear, like, whispers of people, like, leaving New York, and it's giving me such anxiety, and, like, the city is such a, you know, 
living, breathing being, it's, I, I do also feel scared. Like, what is this going to do to the city? Like, what's the energy going to be like? You know, it's such a weird time. Is this temporary? Is this, you know, something, you know, new normal, as people like to say? It's very crazy. Yeah, I mean, I've taken a lot of solace in uh, our friend Katie Horwich, actually, who's been doing a phenomenal job of mm. kind of using her voice in this time to really bring a sense of clarity um, oh, I love and a that. sense of like critical thinking to this whole thing. Mm. Um, and she's adamant that like, this is not normal, therefore we should not call it the new normal, and nothing about this is normal. Wow. And... I find that that's just helped name so much for me around like, you know, me being like, you know, I have to be myself in this. Like I have to continue to show up. I have to continue to be productive. I have to continue, continue, continue. Right. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And Katie's done an amazing job through her newsletter, The Good Word and her Instagram um, and her want cast, Women Against Negative Talk, of just kind of being like, guys, like this is insane. Mm. And like there is kind of no getting normal. There's no normalcy to this and we have to like just support each other through it. Let's like talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I really love that. And I think in terms of New York, I had a big conversation with my mom (laughs) around like what the hell this is going to mean for the city. Yeah. And you know, it's like New York's been through a lot Mm. as a city. It's been through a lot, a lot. And, I bet the feeling after, you know, 9-11 was similar of like, what is this going to be? Are we ever going to feel good again? Are we ever going to feel safe again? Mm. Um, You know, even even earlier than that, what it went through in the 70s when like nobody wanted to live here because it was so dangerous and it was so dirty and it was so ridden with crime and with like poverty and problems that like, you know, they were worried New York was like going to have to be shut down. Um, the city's gone through so much and I think that we will bounce back. We will be okay, but we're only going to be okay because of the healthcare workers and essential workers who are doing the most to get us through. Um, and our, by our communities who are, you know, really practicing social distancing, practicing quarantine so that we can like flatten the curve and get back to healthy a healthy um, balance, but it's scary right now. We're kind of we're kind of nowheresville. Yeah, she always rises, New York. She does. She's done it. She's she's very good at it. Um, and I think that like I loved that video that was shared. I was actually trying to find it right before this episode of Andrew Cuomo saying, you know, it's been a long day. Mm. This is a long day. <laughs> this is a fucking long day. Yeah. My God. But like, we're, we're tough. New Yorkers are tough. And like, you have to be to be here. You have to be to be in this, in this city. And I take a lot from that. Yeah. Um, but I hear you. Like, I feel like I've cried like every day this week. Yeah, I think there's something, I guess it's all just in the waves of, you know, feeling good, feeling normal, feeling not normal, like getting into a groove, 
Yeah, and then feeling the heaviness. I think for me, I feel like we, having left our brand new apartment, I just feel like so angry mm-hmm. about like not being able to live there and having it not really be, you know, enough. Um, and like what that means and kind of like grappling with that and trying to figure out, you know, with a baby, like what do we do? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's uh, I'm sure these are not, you know, unique questions that people are asking themselves about what they need and what their families need. And it's just it's an interesting I think I'm also. This is my 10th year as a New Yorker, and I I had like such grand a grand vision for myself this summer to celebrate being in New York. And I'm definitely feeling you know, like the grief of like not being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, ten years. Ten years, baby. Aaron. I know. Oh. <laughs> ten years. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean Let me just take think- a big swig of wine. <laughs> oh Jesus. I was like, I felt that like a bullet. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we're grieving so much right now, right? It's yeah. not just the actual death toll and the actual human loss. Um, it's, it's everything else that's being missed and everything else that we won't get to experience in this time. Right. Which, you know, you're just feeling, you're left feeling pretty jilted because there's kind of nowhere for that emotion to go. Um, and I totally understand the anger of having left your apartment in in Brooklyn and, and not be able to get to it and feel like there's this whole thing that's just waiting for you. Yeah. I mean, we haven't, I mean, we have uh, like unpacked boxes, like it's, it's just feels so crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's going to, and as we get into summer and as we get in, you know, to all these different season shifts and month shifts. It's just going to feel bizarre, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, As long as it stops snowing, you know. (laughs) It's only May, you know, it's only the beginning of May. So soon, I'd like to think. Yeah. Um, You know, we can hope for that. I think that's an an okay request. Maybe it'll stop snowing this summer by the time you get to celebrate your tenure. (laughs) I know, I'll just, like, drive through the city and then drive back. Oh, my God. I'll be here with champagne. (laughs) We can watch your bus go by. Yeah. (laughs) um, I don't know. It's it's a long day. I think that's what I just keep coming back to. Yeah. Long day. It's a long day for everyone. Um, To switch gears completely... Although not completely, because this is a show that takes place in New York. Yep. Um, where should where do we even begin? Um, I think we just dive in. Big level thoughts. Tell me, tell me everything. Okay, so we're talking about the morning show, starring Miss Jennifer Aniston and Miss Reese Witherspoon. Just two unknown. Just up and comers, you know, yeah. I'm excited to see what these gals do. I think they're both mm-hmm. super promising, got a lot of presence on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
It's streaming on Apple TV, which I just feel like you and I are, you and I and Reese's mom are like the three people who have seen this show. <laughs> yeah, no um, one has seen this show. Nobody's seen this show. Not a person. Um, which is a goddamn shame because I think, uh, I think the morning show is incredible mm-hmm. from a TV drama perspective. By no means would I say this show is perfect. Um, but I, I enjoyed it and it also stars like a great gaggle of like Billy Crudup and Mark Duplass and Steve Carell in a villain role, which is something we really haven't seen him do before. I don't think. It kind of reminded me of, um, when he played against, um, Billie Jean King. Yes. That kind of vibe, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The playful double. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Actually, um, I had a huge problem with Steve Carell being in this in this role that I'd like to talk through with you. Wow. Okay. Um, should we tell Should we tell the Bettys what this show is about? Sure. We never intro. You know what's funny? I was listening <laughs> to like a few of our episodes. I'm like, we never intro the fucking what actual thing we're talking about. Yeah. But that's fine. People just need to get on our level. No, people know what it is. I would think. But let's tell no. them. Okay. So The Morning Show is um, a show on Apple TV, and it follows, a new, it follows a news anchor duo played by Jennifer Aniston um, and Reese Witherspoon. Um, the, ep- the show opens with Steve Carell having, you know, he's a legacy news anchor having been fired for sexual misconduct. Jennifer Aniston is his, has been his co-host, co-anchor for 15 years. And she's kind of left to deal with the fallout of him leaving the network due to these allegations. And she hires on Reese Witherspoon's character, who's like this feisty field journalist um, from the South who isn't New York at all. Um, And it is just absolute chaos and backstabbing and very dark developments that ensue. Um, But it definitely is happening in the wake of Me Too, and time's up and kind of looks at what now, what happens after these allegations hit and all of the people who are left in the wake are kind of meant to deal with it. So it's a 10 part series um, and it's been renewed for season two, which put a pin in that. We can talk about that later. Um, But yeah, lots to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I will say right off the bat, I am obsessed with this show. I feel like it tackles topics and nuances that can feel kind of, you know, when we think about the Me Too era, like, they're t- this is a tough topic. This is a tough um, dynamic. I think that the gender politics can either feel... I think when you're doing them on screen, they can either feel like too on the nose or too cheesy. Or I think the show walked such a beautiful line of, yes, being a drama, but also having so much truth to the way things are depicted and how people speak to each other and kind of those little subtleties that I feel like as women, we know, you know, we know what it feels like when someone like holds that gaze a little too long. Like they're just these moments that I feel like are so well done. And I felt like to see these two women 
you know, will they, won't they? Are they building a friendship? Are they enemies? I think the dynamic between them was so strong, so interesting. And to see them, I think, at the end come together in a way that they just like toast this man, like in toast, I mean like light him on fire, was so exhilarating. I was like, the whole finale, I wish I would have rewatched it. I was like screaming. Um, I think that there were definitely things we can talk about as far as like thematically how far, you know, we were going to go in certain directions because I thought that was kind of an interesting choice, you know, if we want to spoil the end right away. But um, so much interesting content here, so much great dialogue. I really, really loved the show. I actually think it's it definitely would be on my like top 10 list for the year. Wow. I was moved. I was definitely Damn, moved by this. And I, you know, loved seeing Reese and Jennifer in these, in roles that like are, are deserving of them. Mm. Yeah. There's a scene where Jennifer Aniston is at the table and she's like, I'm the voice of America. I'm the face of your TV show. And I get to choose what happens next. And I was like, oh, Jen, mm-hmm. my God. My God. I love the scene when she's at the podium and she's like, okay, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Here's the new co-host. Like, and nobody knows it's coming and she hadn't, hasn't vetted this girl. And she just like does it to make a point that she's like in this place of power. And it's, it's absolute. I think there's so many like just what moments that I think are just so fun to watch. Yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns. I will say, I think the season starts like an explosion. Mm-hmm. I think the first episode is one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Um, I think it it fizzles out for me a little bit in the middle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's and, some stuff that happens in the middle that feels a little like laborious. I agree. Well, it's, it's drama for like the sake of drama, which I think that... In a show that's, like, really smartly written like this one is, I think you can kind of feel it when they're doing that. Well, I also think, like, just I'm looking at, like, the cast list of, like, the whole, like, Yanko, that other girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel as emotionally interested in that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I feel like maybe in a different world we'd be along for the whole ride. I really, for some reason, that storyline didn't take me. I don't know if we... I felt like we needed more information, maybe. I didn't know why we needed to care about these two. And so I think they kind of, I think there were moments when they were leads in the episodes where I was like, let's just move it along to like the real story here. Because there's so much happening, you know, with John Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I was kind of like, I'm not interested in like these other people. Yeah, totally. I thought about that too. I I felt the same way as you. And I almost wondered if they were put in there to fuck with the audience a little bit. Hmm. Because they were really a love story that I think you were almost meant to champion in a way. Like you were kind of wanting these two to work out. Mm. But they're a workplace love story and she's very young. And they have that scene in bed where she's like, you know, my my dad could like buy you 20 times over. If there's a power imbalance here, it's me against you. And I think I wondered too, like if we just didn't get enough information there, or they didn't mm. quite build it out in the way they wanted to. Um, I guess I, I think if you're, what you just said about them being a real love story, that's interesting to me. I didn't feel that. 
No, I me felt either. like they were just like a fling. Who cares? Yeah. If they had been an actual love story, that would have been interesting. I think yeah. she was a little too, I'm not really that into you. This is a, just a thing. Yeah. I think you're Agreed. right on, though. I think that would have been really something to lean into. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Where, like, so where do we go? I feel like, I feel like the Jennifer Aniston of it all was the, the Alex Levy character was extremely interesting to me. Um, you know, there's kind of this whole thing for the, for the entire season of how much did she know about her, co- mm. her anchor, right. her co-anchor and how much was she in the dark about and you know, it's kind of at the beginning, she confronts Steve Carell's character and says, like, I'm so lonely. You fucked us over. I can't believe you did this to us. Um, you know, she's angry. She's, he's put the whole show in jeopardy. Right. And as it starts to kind of unfold and the twists and turns begin to take place, we learn that Alex actually knew a lot more than than she initially um, initially said. And I think what I what I really liked and I wish they had leaned into a little bit further with her character is, is the Mm. women supporting women angle and how women are not always allies for other women. And I like it because it complicates the narrative in a big way. Um, and it shows Alex to be kind of, you know, she's very pointy elbows. She's very much had to felt that with her. Yeah. I think that she's very much like had to take what she has and she's not been given anything. And she's constantly undercut by the executive producers. She's only ever judged in relation to Steve Carell. Um, And I, I wanted it a little bit more. I wanted more of that. They had quite a bit, but I wanted more, more, more. I loved it. I think even like her relationship to the show, I liked that they kind of put her in this little ivory tower and she was so detached from everybody. Like, it was Mm -hmm. interesting to see Reese Witherspoon's character kind of, like, you know, go to the bar with everybody. And, like, she was really trying to kind of, you know, not only uncover what was going on, but be, be like, aware of the culture. And I like that they kind of moved Jennifer Aniston into this other bubble of, like, I'm the star. I'm the, you know, this thoroughbred, you know, news anchor. And I thought that was really – I hear what you're saying, I but I think, like, the – the sprinklings of that were, were really great. Yeah. And I just loved Reese Witherspoon being so outraged that, Mm. you know, at one point she says to Jennifer Aniston, like you, this happened under your watch. You fucking knew about this. It's interesting though. I mean, in a culture where the culture is the culture, it's very hard to, I mean, this is why the show is, is, fantastic and I think it mirrors a lot of real life it's like when the power structure is set up so that those people are protective protected it's really really hard to like pull the rug out from under them I mean we've seen time and time again how this stuff like comes out and nothing happens so it's also kind of interesting the idea that we blame women you know, to have to uphold these men and their wrongdoings. Like, is it really Jennifer Aniston's responsibility to make sure that her co-founder isn't, you know, assaulting people? You know, on a certain level, like, yes, they're, they have an intimate relationship, they're working together, you know, but I think it really, it's more, it's very complicated. 
I think what I loved about this show is it showed scarcity and abundance in a really interesting way. Mm. And in flashback, we see how Jennifer Aniston's job is constantly under threat. Yes. And she's constantly being given the bullshit pieces that aren't taken seriously. And Steve's Carell, Steve Carell's character is given like the big, right. um, the big stories, the big uh, coverage, all those kinds of things. And then you see Billy Crudup's character who just constantly sees the abundance in everything. Mm. And he constantly sees the opportunity in everything. And he sees everything as a game. And he has like a scene where he talks about, I don't care about this job. I could go do this job anywhere. Like this is all like, this is all gravy to me. Like, I don't care. I can leave tomorrow. They fire me. Who cares? Whereas Jennifer Aniston is like holding on so tightly mm. because she's been thrown crumbs her entire career. And then she's been thrown really great things, but she hasn't gotten those great things without making huge sacrifice. Right. And I loved that they showed, you know, and going back to your point about, is it, you know, are we really going to hold Jennifer Aniston accountable for what Steve Carell was doing? Um, no, but I think that they did a great job of showing that she can't be worried about what Steve Carell is doing when she's like constantly trying to get herself established at the morning show. It's this horribly toxic environment where women are meant to feel scarce and afraid and grateful Mm. and men are allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Right. And I loved that they showed that. Yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about the Steve Carell of it all? Yeah. It's important we do. (laughs) (laughs) It is important we do. Um, I feel like very conflicted about this. Because I think on one hand, he's perfectly cast because he's so likable and because it shows that even people who are likable can be dirtbags and like we can hold space for both of those things to be true. But I also kind of felt like the very deep feminist part of me, like in my, the bottom of my soul was like some asshole white guy is going to watch this and give Steve Carell like another pass. Like I'm not sure. I just, I feel like he's so, so adorned that I, do you know what I'm saying? Like. I totally hear you. I think that's the brilliance of his scene with Martin Short. Mm. Because that scene completely breaks the fourth wall. Mm Mm-hmm. And it might as well have been like Aziz Ansari sitting across from Harvey Weinstein. Mm. And I loved the casting in the moment that scene happened. That was an incredible scene. That was a fucking brilliant scene. That was, oh oh my God, it was so amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Betty's to set it up. So basically Steve Steve Carell's character has been fired. He's completely gone due to misconduct. And he's having... Dinner with his uh, friend who's played by Martin Short, which is a great cameo. Amazing And cameo. Martin Short's character is talking very loosely about rape and about the statute of limitations and about women needing to feel grateful to him because he's this big Hollywood director and he gave them their start. And Steve Carell is kind of sitting there like, I was just fired under misconduct and I don't, I'm not you. You're a fucking creep. I'm not you. And in that moment, I was just 
completely blown away of how they were like bringing this conversation, which, you know, the whole, when the whole Aziz Ansari situation happened, it kind of cannibalized the Me Too moment in, in a way. Mm. because people were like, oh, well, he's not, he's not that bad. He's not Harvey Weinstein, so we need to calm the fuck down. Right. And in this scene with Steve Carell and Martin Short, it was saying like, okay, well, where are we drawing the line? Mm. And where are we drawing boundaries? And we're actually going to show you the scene of Steve Carell, Steve Carell's character attacking or, you know, coercing a woman he works with to sleep with him. And you can make up your mind about how much that damaged her or not. And I love that it puts the onus on the audience to think about it Mm. and to think about abuse of power and what it means on every level and in every spectrum. I thought it was incredibly powerful. And I think Steve Carell worked really well in this show because he's so likable, as you said, but there's this darkness he's able to embody. Yeah. He opens the door and like, it's either the finale or the episode before the finale. He opens the door and he's like, hey guys, or just says something like really douchey. And I was like, oh my God, I hate this guy. Yeah. Like I hate him. I hate him so much. And I love that it flips you like that. Mm. I love that he's a, he's a father one moment and the next moment he's just a total creep. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Brilliant yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, he was a very intense complicated um yeah maybe Uh uh-oh i'm getting a knock on the door hello Uh uh-oh oh i'm getting a cookie delivery oh Oh my god the best reason to open a door oh thank you mary alice you want to say hi sure you just can say hello hello (laughs) hi mary alice diana says hi oh well here we go, getting Bye. into it, settling in. Oh my god, what kind of cookie? Um, it is a M&M cookie with some kind of hazelnut situation. Wow. I know my mom bought a hazelnut M&M. There looks like to be mini chocolate chips in it as well. Damn, it's girl. Like a, yeah, it's like an M&M cookie with a pizzazz. I'm thrilled for you. Mm, it's delicious. Love it. Wow, let's talk about um, how do you say Billy's crudups? Is it crud up? It's crud up. Crud up. Let's talk about him. <laughs> um, I love this man. I would mm. watch this man read the telephone book. What else is he <laughs> in? Am I where have how have I missed him? I mean, he's in everything. He's of in course everything. now I can't like tell you what he's in now that I'm needing to think about it. But sure, he's in sure. everything. Um, I think. This character was note perfect. I don't. I think out of all the characters in the entire show, he never said anything out of character. Mm. They just had like a totally clear vision for what they wanted this guy to be. As like the lizardy TV executive, who's just like a total opportunist. He's an almost famous Watchmen, Big Fish. Where do you go, Bernadette? There you go. Just like a few little names. All of the things. All of the things. I think you're right. I think he was an original character. I feel like I know this person. I've had a conversation with them before. And the way he carried it was just so magnificent. And I was obsessed with him. And I kind of was like, what's he going to do next? You know, there was such a, like a mis, um, 
charismatic, like intriguing energy about him. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, he's totally the guy who, like, when the entire newsroom is burning down, he's the one with, like, a marshmallow and a stick, like, making s'mores on the flames. Like, he is just so evil and so manipulative. And yet there's this side to him when he's talking to Reese Witherspoon that, like, I just fucking love him. is, like, beyond. Beyond. Well, I think when you can see, when you can see... When someone, cha- I don't know, maybe it's like a gender thing of like when men like really champion women and like they fucking get it. He's like, this girl is a star. Like, let move out of her way. It's just like, yes. You know, there's something so, I don't know, so fun about watching their dynamic. The way he trusts her, the way he's like fascinated by her. He's like, feels like he's kind of in love with her. But there's such a respect that I just think is amazing. I feel like in a way he feels like he's found his equal. Mm. I think he's felt like 10 steps ahead of everyone his entire life. And he meets Bradley and he's just like, oh, fuck. This is it. Wow. Interesting. I don't know. I think just the way that they were filmed together, they're always filmed like at eye level with each other. Mm. And they were always filmed like standing beside each other. And it was just this way of like kind of almost them being two sides of the same coin. Interesting. I found it really interesting to watch their Do scenes. Do you think they were, it was romantic or no? No. I think it was completely, this woman is my match. Like, yeah. Like, we're going we're gonna to do this. Far more so than Alex, who I think he always perceived as, like, the old kind guard. of typical. Yeah. The old guard. Um, I think well, he really saw Bradley as, like, a visionary. Well, that's kind of like Mark Duplass's role with Jennifer Aniston was kind of like oh, he was Mark her. Duplass was her champion. Yeah. In so many ways. A lot of good that did him. Oh, I loved finding out at the end though that he was the one that leaked the story. I didn't give a fuck. To save her. What? I did not care at all and I hated it. Why? Because he would never tell him that. I didn't believe it. And I'm the kind of person and this what do you is wait what, what what didn't you believe? He wouldn't she he wouldn't tell who. I don't think it matters. I don't mm. think he I don't think it matters who leaked it to the New York Times. Yeah. Because it's gotten so much bigger than that at that point. I guess so, but I liked that in the end he was loyal to her. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think for me it like wrapped it up too much in a bow. Mm. It was too like, oh, and by the way, we had that mystery about like what the New York Times article thing was about. So like, here we go. Yeah. I hear you. And like, I just don't believe... I think he should have punched the hell out of Steve Carell. I think he could have delivered a line, but I don't love that he like named it that explicitly. Yeah. It felt a little flat footed to me. Fair enough. Which is kind of getting into my whole issue with like the finale in general. Oh, tell me. I did not love the finale. You didn't. Well, I, I I feel very conflicted about the finale. I hated that they redeemed Jennifer Aniston's character. Really? Yeah. Why? I do. I didn't think it was necessary. I think it kind of flew in the face of the complicated conversations and thoughts it was making its audience have. And it brought it back down to like good guys, bad guys. Mm. And I I didn't believe it. I thought it suspended reality like a thousand percent. It was so out of character. I don't know how we got there. Mm. I don't know. How, like, I do not understand how it got there. 
Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I think, really didn't like I it. think we were meant to feel, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously speaking for the creators, but I think that we were meant to feel that she kind of, by reading the article, she understood the levity of, you know, what had happened, you know, and how he made other people feel and just, I think there was more weight to it. And then obviously with, you know, their decision to, um, you know, one of the main storylines is that Steve Carell's character is, has kind of created this very flirtatious relationship with one of the, I can't remember what her job was, um, but a young woman named Hannah who's like books people on the show. Oh, yeah, the and then mm-hmm. and then there's a scene where, like you were saying before, he kind of is this fatherly energy. Let me mentor you. Let me take care of you. And then he brings her into his hotel room and that energy changes and he starts touching her and this whole thing and they end up having sex and you can just, her eyes look dead and she's not moving. And it's, it's a very uncomfortable scene. And then at the end, they they kind of show the depressive state and I think, you know, some of the mental anguish that people of who've been assaulted feel. And they chose at the end of the show to have this woman end her life to kind of add weight to this horrific event that happened to her. And I, something, I found it to be kind of, I don't know if, if what you were saying before about it feeling flat or feeling too much like a soap opera or why do we have to kill ourselves to be believed? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's this huge question at the end of like, oh, she, she took her own life. She was in such anguish that that's the reason Steve Carell gets it. That that's the reason, like, this ripple effect, this change that people can understand the weight of what it feels like to be victimized. I, I really, on one hand, I felt like it named a lot of things that people maybe couldn't understand. But I also grappled with, just as a feminist, like, is that what we have to do? I, I, I found it to be very problematic, but also very satisfying as a as a theme that's like this is undeniable and these are the consequences and this is what's going to happen so I it was a very interesting choice what were your thoughts about the you said the end didn't strike you anyway tell me what you thought about the suicide um I was I called it, which I don't love when that happens. I usually don't. I try not to do that. I, I try do not too. To like, yeah, I was feeling, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. The yeah. character has a history of drug abuse, and I was like, this is going to be a problem later. Right, um, right. It, you know, it's left open whether it was intentional or not. I don't think it was intentional. Um, and I don't You don't think, think what was intentional? I don't think she intended to commit suicide. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Because she called the producer in LA to talk about Take the job moving, yeah, across country. Interesting, interesting. Um, which also broke my fucking heart—the fact they were just going to shovel her off to LA instead of making New York corporate deal with what was happening internally is just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I thought it, I hear you. I thought it was unfortunate that that's what ultimately put the brakes on the Steve Carell interview. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I thought it wrapped up too quickly. Mm. Um, I thought Jennifer Aniston, we did a rush job on all of a sudden she gets it because this poor young woman has died. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think it happened too quickly. Mm. Um, and I also thought it, I thought that the last couple episodes were just like a little too insular. I think that they were so wrapped up in what was happening. And this is kind of going back to the point I made about drama for the sake of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very insular. It was all about like what was happening in the newsroom and what was happening behind the scenes and like what's happening with the allegations and in the interview with Steve Carell. Um, and at the end of the day, these guys are running a news program. And they showed that a little bit with like the California fires that like they actually do have a very stressful job that they have to report on the news every single day. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to get a little bit more of like showing them try to ba- trying to balance it of trying to like Bradley trying to do this interview with Steve Carell's character while also doing her actual job. Mm. Um, Cause I kind of got to the point where I'm like, do these people ever work? Like, do these people like ever like have to just kind of put on a brave face for TV and they showed it a bit, but I thought it, I don't know. It kind of got like a little soap opera for me. Um, And I think when Bradley tells Jennifer Aniston's character, Alex, that Hannah um, has died I just didn't believe it at all that Jennifer Aniston was finally like, oh my God, this is horrible. I just don't feel like we had gotten to that place. She had just taken the anchor job, not but like a day before Mm -hmm. and betrayed Bradley. You know what I mean? Like it just, I wasn't there with her at all. Mm, Interesting. And I think that, I think there's a few reasons why they chose to do that the very cynical part of me is like, we don't want America to not like Jennifer Aniston. So we decided to redeem her character. (laughs) Um, But I wish they had stuck the landing a little bit on making Alex a deeply flawed, deeply problematic character. Mm. Um, I will say the morning show, this TV show premiered at the same time bombshell came out in theaters, which is the Mm. story of Megyn Kelly. Um, so kind of interesting to see, you know, both both pieces of media taking on the Me Too movement and taking on um, predators in the newsroom. And it's interesting to kind of look at how, and they're not meant to be compared, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go down too far a rabbit hole between the two of them. But it was interesting to see how, um, you know, Roger Ailes, who was the head of Fox News, who's portrayed in Bombshell, is an obvious villain. Like, the guy is a piece of garbage. He's horrible. He's mm-hmm. an abusive asshole. Um, it's interesting to see how he's kind of so overt in his predatory nature, whereas Steve Carell is much more covert. And we get that scene with Martin Short, and we get kind of those nuances brought into it. Um, and the character of Megan Kelly is so interesting because, you know, this is a woman who's Republican, extremely conservative, who left Fox News because of the abuse that was happening there. Um, And I almost wanted Jennifer Aniston's character to be a little bit more Megyn Kelly, like a little bit more like I'll acknowledge it's happening, but I'm not going to do what she actually ends up doing in the finale. Mm. I don't know. I just wanted it to like pull back a little bit, I think. Yeah. 
I think at that moment with the finale, I was so devastated for Hannah and I felt so connected to her that I wanted everybody's lives to explode when hers did. And I wanted to believe it. And so I think for me, I think I was able to ride that wave a little bit. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying about Jennifer flip-flopping. I also feel like, you know, she was the weight of the show. She was the legacy. And she really did need a come-to-Jesus moment, I think, in order for the ship to feel like it was turning around. Um, So it's interesting. I wonder, what do you think season two? What do you... Any predictions or thoughts or feelings about maybe what is to come? I think I'm not going to watch season two. What? I know. Wow, wow, wow. Erin, I'm getting big little lies, big little lies getting, vibes. I understand. Wow. <laughs> I feel like, my God, Reese, Jen, go forward, make incredible content like this. <laughs> go make another show. Go make like a bunch of shows. Tell women's stories. I feel we like do they- not need a second season of The Morning Show. I feel like, can we be, can we be honest here though? There's, I've, I, I, I don't know if with a story like, you know, Big Little Lies, since you brought it up, everyone agreed it was perfection start to finish. It was one book. It was one story. And it was done in such a succinct, powerful way that it need not continue. I feel like with the morning show, it was never written for a one season situation. I feel like there, there, what there is now that there's this dynamic of the two of them now getting together. I feel like that's a new story. You know, I do feel like I need to see Billy Crudup do more acting in this role. I don't know. I feel like there's more. All right. Well, I'll watch it because obviously, what the hell else am I doing? But. <laughs> um, I don't know. To me, it's like, you know, Alexander Skarsgård died. We killed the giant. We slayed the we slayed the dragon. Steve yeah. Carell didn't get his redemption interview. Jennifer Aniston burned loved, her show to the ground. Like, I what did we have to that, say here? I guess, yeah. But when you're paying your leads $2 million an episode, I feel like Apple is like, we probably need a little bit more content, guys. Yeah, I wonder, you you said it before we record that it was really interesting that this was their pick to launch their network. It's a weird one. I feel like it was a bold move. It was a bold move. It, it made a lot of noise, I remember, or at least it did in New York when it came out. Yeah, but you're right. I feel like not not anyone has seen or talked about this. No. Yeah. It won Jennifer Aniston, her Screen Actors Guild Award, though. Yeah, I can't believe we're not in for a season two after seeing Jennifer Aniston in such a glorious state. It was I'm great, but to like, question your love for her. Okay, <laughs> do I need to come up to Buffalo and like prove to you how much I love Jen Aniston? You know what? The other thing I will say is I am a seasonal whore, meaning I want to see ten seasons. Yeah, don't you can get really me started. Yeah. I want to see. Oh, that I want to get to know these people. I want to know what time they wake up in the morning. Like <laughs> I want to know everything about them. I hate. I really don't like a drop-in miniseries where you're in and out. I need to really sit with these people. So I, I'm always rooting for like ten more seasons. Well, 
Maybe you'll get your wish. I think yeah. Reese Witherspoon has quite a lot of content up her sleeve. She's so, so busy. She's so busy, that woman. And we've got to talk about Little Fires Everywhere, too. How the hell is she sleeping? She Doesn't she have, like, three kids? Yeah. Holy mother. And a book club and a clothing She's running line. an empire. She's, she's running, running a production studio. My God, Reese. And she's doing a million Instagram stories a day. She's killing it. Is she? Yeah, she's great. She has great Instagram content. I feel like I haven't been touching in. I haven't been touching, uh, popping in. There was Get something about it. There was something about Jonathan Van Ness I wanted to tell you, and I can't remember what. Oh, did you know he's marrying people on Instagram Live? Yeah, I saw that. I love that. You know, we're all just um, doing our part. You, <laughs> you were going to tell me he's not dating Anthony, which I thought we all knew anyways. What? I feel I like thought, we knew that. I thought we did. I didn't know that. I was like, oh, what? I'm confused. Because then I heard an interview with he was talking about who he was quarantine, quarantining with. And he was like, I'm not telling anybody. And I was like, don't we all know? And then I was, I had to do the research and. Oh my God. Why did they have that stupid Instagram then? I think just because the people love them and they're best friends. Mm. Same reason we have an Instagram and a podcast, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fair enough, I guess. Fair enough. Um, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I knew that, but maybe I didn't know that. Maybe it came to me in a dream. I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. Um, oh, my God. Did you know that Billy Crudup is <laughs> married to Mary Louise Parker and Claire Danes and Naomi Watts? Oh, maybe these are just women he's dated. I think those are just women he's dated. He's only 5'9". Ugh. Just my devastating. <laughs> <laughs> he should play I, Andrew Cuomo in the movie version. I like a shorter man. You think he should play, play Cuomo? What? Why not? Go for it. Why not? No, 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 no. He's a little too warm. You need someone too, who like, has sassy. a New York accent to play Cuomo. He's an actor. No, no, no. You need someone to really slur those bowels and really get no, into it. No. He can do it. We don't think he can do it? I'd rather have him do that than morning show season two. Maybe with some face makeup or something. He needs, you know, a little bit of zhuzhing. I don't know. Yeah, Aaron, full hair and makeup. We're going to get him a vocal (laughs) teacher. It's going to be great. Power of Hollywood. All right. I'd like to see a screen test, and then I will sign off. All right. All right. All right. Um, What else are you watching? Anything exciting before I eat all of these cookies in front of me? (laughs) They're just Um, sitting here, and I can't eat them. I think I just want to say as like a final note on morning show. Yeah. I think that a lot of shows, you know, Me Too movement was so huge in Hollywood. Um, And I think we're seeing a lot of shows kind of formulate a genre, almost like a Me Too genre Mm -hmm. of how the industry itself is telling the stories about its own industry. And I think that I'd love to like, you know, we've had we've had uh, the morning show, we've had Bombshell, we've had The Assistant, we've had just, you know, a lot of content is coming out now in the wake of Me Too around telling survivor stories, portraying abuse of power, and really kind of bringing it to the specificity of this time. And I think that I'll be interested to see, you know, kind of how it's, I really do think it's a genre that's starting to form around the industry and how, you know, people like Reese Witherspoon, Ava DuVernay, are telling these stories. Um, And I think that it'll be interesting to see kind of how Morning Show holds up, Mm. you know, how all of these movies hold up as we continue these conversations and as 
um, you know, we start to evolve our thinking and start to evolve how we think about these sorts of themes. But I think as a show for right now, it, I found it incredibly thought provoking and I found it, it challenged me to really start thinking about things in a different way. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that. I think that this Me Too genre is something that's really starting to come out in Hollywood. Well, I know something that you said before that I know you wanted to write an article about was like the fact that we're, a lot of these movies are starring white women and that we yeah. are really telling a very, um, you know, race, not racist, but uh, we're, we're telling one specific story and we need to be telling a plethora of experiences and... Um, and that's really something to keep an eye on, too, as these things get greenlit. I know that was, as I was researching, that was part of the criticism was that, you know, one of the main leads of, of Hannah is a woman of color and she plays like the victim. It's like, when are women of color going to be able to hold space, you know, to tell their own stories from places of power? So I think that's also something to be thoughtful when people are creating and consuming this media. Yeah, I mean, I think I would love to see a movie told about women um, in more invisible industries. Um, you know, women who are housekeepers at hotels, women who work construction, women who work, you know, in jobs that we just don't typically see the lives portrayed, um, but who are still subjected to abuse of power in this way. We're, I mean, you know, showing newsrooms and showing like Hollywood is like very glitzy. And I also think that that we need to not just portray like rich people getting these kinds of experiences. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like me too really came to fruition and we could obviously talk about this for another hour, you know, because of the privilege of, you know, these women in Hollywood who we felt like we knew Mm -hmm. kind of bringing it to light. So I also see on one hand how these stories of these women that we do feel like we know are the ones that are being unearthed and talked about. Yeah, I think we shouldn't have to, as audiences, we should be challenged. You know, content creators should challenge us to identify with people who don't just reflect our own reality back to us. That's like what progressive storytelling is, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's part of where my criticism comes in around the Jennifer Aniston character is like, we love Jennifer Aniston. Let's make her really unlikable. Mm. Let's show that character. Let's show that, um, you know, Megyn Kelly kind of character um, and complicate the narrative further. I think we should trust audiences that they can handle it. And I think that they trusted their audience to handle the scene between Steve Carell and Martin Short. And I just wanted even that much more from them. Yeah. Wild. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting thoughts that we both carried to this uh, this program. It's a good one. I want to hear everyone's thoughts on it. If you're watching it, you can get an Apple TV free trial, and I'm not paid to say that. That's how I was able <laughs> to watch the morning show. <laughs> I love it. I do feel bad. I think that the uh, reading some of these reviews, I think because this was their launch show, I think it got a lot of criticism just being the first. Mm-hmm. As if, as opposed to if this were on Netflix and stuff, and I do wish more people had are were watching it. I think if you're on the front, you need to get in there. Agreed. Tell us your thoughts. I want to fight about somebody with this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else you're watching, consuming, that you want to name drop? Um, I'm watching Killing Eve and loving it. I'm mm. gonna 
start. I'm finishing Sopranos shortly, and I'm going to start Insecure. Um, I'm trying to get one thing off the plate before I bring on another, which is, I don't know why we're imposing such restrictions, but that's where <laughs> I'm at. Um, and what else am I doing? I feel like that's kind of it so far. Yeah. I feel like I've gone down a dark, dark hole with reality TV. Oh, Jesus. And my brother is like, start watching 90 Day Fiance. And he's like, are you watching this? Let's watch it. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I've kept up with the Kardashians. I got the Housewives, Beverly Hills, Vanderpump. I'm like, I've got like a cycle going. Um, Love it. Which is really serving me right now. So here, there you go. Well, get your cookies. Get your Kardashians. <laughs> I hate you, Courtney. Down. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks, Erin. This was a delight. I know. I feel like this episode is like 100 hours long. There was a Great. lot to go into. We could talk about it for another 10 hours. Next time we'll have Reese and Jennifer on and they can, you know, give us all their thoughts. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be great. Happy Feminist Wednesday, Diana. Happy Feminist Wednesday, Erin. Yay! What a great episode.